And let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for who you are, that you fill our hearts with love and goodness and the truth of your goodness. We thank you for the voices raised today. May they glorify you. May they lift you up and help us to, to truly experience the embrace of your love today. And we pray for those people in Indonesia who have endured this terrible tsunami and, and the weight of that water has crushed so many lives. So God, we pray that uh, what emerges is your victory, that there would be uh, not a crushed spirit among them, but instead we would be your hands and feet to them, proclaiming your goodness into their lives in tangible, real ways that they can, they can experience and know. And so God, we thank you that you rise you, you raise us up from the ashes. And may you do the same with those people there and every, every one that we meet. And we pray this time would be a time of hearing your voice and knowing you. And pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please have a seat. Wow, good morning. And thank you to the whole Kasharak family up here. You guys are amazing. And Amia, wow, so thankful for you today. Oh my gosh. Wow, I remember that um, Ben, Ben uh, when she came to worship practice one day, he's like, you would not believe who just showed up at worship practice. This girl, Mia, she can sing. Boy, wow, that's great. Do you guys like cold weather? Just random, you do? Okay, how many people just wish it was 110? That's where you belong. No one, there's a few. I know you. I know you. <laughs> um, actually, I, I say when it's cold like this, we all get a free trip to Scotland. That's what it is, really. I mean, you could spend 500 bucks to get a flight out there, but God instead brought the weather here. So there you go. For all of you that don't like it, just experience Scotland for a little bit. Ah, and then we'll get back to the Mediterranean weather in the summertime. So today we're continuing this series called Crushed, Reaching the Unseen. And the big question that we've asked ourselves as a church is how can we be the church that does the things that no other church is doing in order to reach the people that no other church is reaching? And, and I think it's a good question to ask ourselves because there is this need in the world for a church that will reach people who are otherwise inhibited from coming to church. And that's what we originally understood at Highlands Church when we met in the movie theater at Park Cinema. We knew that there were some people that would go to a church that met in the movie theater because it was familiar to them where they wouldn't go to church anywhere else. And a lot of you are here because you either worshiped in the movie theater and something about hearing a church that was meeting in a movie theater, that out-of-the-box church, grabbed your heart and you wanted to be a part of that. Or maybe you're here because someone who went to that movie theater and had their lives transformed uh, and started to discover the beauty of doing the things that no one else is doing in order to reach the people that no one else is reaching. They welcomed you and they invited you into this. And so that's the big question we're asking. How can we be the church that's doing what no other church is doing in order to reach the people that no other church is reaching? And so one of the big, big groundbreaking things that we talked about is uh, approaching the wineries and the winemakers of this region and asking them if they would partner together and take a portion of their crops and devote it 100% to the poor. Just asking that question, believe it or not, evoked in so many people this spirit they just got excited about doing it. And so sometimes just being the voice of encouragement to people in life can be a transformative presence. And so we're calling the series Crushed. A lot of people have said, what, how does this whole thing work? You know what our answer is? We don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, what do you think? Give us ideas, come up with names, whatever you can do, because this is something that we all get to engage in. 
Um, but the question is, how do we reach the unseen? How do we reach out to the unseen people? And how beautiful that the poor that will be blessed through this innovative, groundbreaking thing are going to be actually the field workers who live in this community. They are going to receive this, this just shout from the top of this hill, Highlands Church, saying, we see you, we care about you, and we want to we bless you. We know who you are. Um, so this is the story that I want us to focus on today. It's a beautiful story, um, and it's been, you know, I feel like God's really pressed it on my heart, and I, I think that it could help you to start to see the world in a new way, help you to start to see things differently. And it happens in the last week of Jesus's life, the last few days before he died on the cross and then was resurrected a few days later. But this is, these are the words. It says these words, in the presence of all the people, Jesus said to his disciples, so he turns around and he talks to his students, watch out for the legal experts. Well, I mean, everybody knows how to, to watch out for lawyers, right? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of, it's a kind of no-brainer, Jesus. No, but he says these words, they like to walk around in long robes. Um, they love being greeted with honor in the markets. Um, like I, Trader Joe's, hey dude, you know, um, they long for the places of honor in the synagogues and at banquets. If you're the kind of person um, who loves to sit at the head of the table, this might be a, this might be a message, a kind, of, a kind of a gulp of a message. They are the ones who cheat widows out of their homes. And to show off, they say long prayers. This is why I say short prayers. Uh, just so I don't, I, I couldn't be guilty of this anyway they will be judged most harshly. You know, this is a message that really should hit home for all of us. In that sense of uh, what does it mean um, to see the unseen? <laughs> what does it mean to see the unseen in life, right? And I think that what Jesus is saying, there's a lot of look at me people in this world, aren't there? There's a lot of people who are saying, hey, you know what? Um, you know, the goal or ambition of my life is to be seen. There's actually a crazy, a really good book called The Importance of Being Famous and how that's become really a very highly, highly valued thing in our culture and in our community and in our, in our nation. The importance of being famous. Now, I think that what Jesus is uh, talking about is something that we discovered in the early days of Highlands when we started to ask, what does a biblical godly leader look like? What are those characters, traits, characteristics? And the big thing, the message that we came out of that was, who me leaders? Do you remember that? What does it mean to be a who me leader? Now, who me leader uh, is the kind of leader that we see over and over again in the Bible. Jesus would walk up to a tax collector and say, hey, you know what? You're going to be following me. You'll be a disciple. And what did the tax collector say? Who, me? And, and then uh, you notice that in Moses. You notice it in David. You no, notice it in all of these different leaders throughout the Bible. Every time someone, a prophet, is approached by God, any, any fisherman is approached by God, they kind of say, uh, you know what? I don't know if I'm the right guy. There's a hesitancy there. There's not someone who's sitting there saying, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to be at the top of the pile. I'm going to work and I'm going to be the leader of this church. We noticed that one time. I actually vividly remember someone came into the church. They shook their hand on a Sunday, and, and I said, hi, how are you? And he said, I came here to lead your men's ministry. And I said, whoa. <laughs> okay, let's see, buddy. Slow down. Slow down a second. It's that whomy leader is a really, really important value, and, and, and it's something that anybody can espouse and learn. 
So even if you are a me leader, you can grow into a who me leader. I, I, I believe that God has this transformation that he is calling us into so that all of us can ask ourselves, hey, what are those moments when we pray? And, and, and have you ever heard someone say, I, I don't want to pray because I just don't think that I'm eloquent enough. Have you ever heard that? I just don't think I have fancy enough words. Do you know what the best prayer you could give is a bumbling prayer to God? Because you know what? That would be a prayer that wouldn't glorify you. It would be a prayer that would demonstrate your humility and say, you know what? I'm nothing and God, you're everything. See, these are the kinds of things that we start to get written into the back of our brain, right? Like I can't be a leader because I'm not aggressive enough or the question is, maybe God is calling you into leadership. Maybe you're the kind of person today that's saying, who, me? Not, he can't be talking about me as a, as a who, me leader. You might be the very person that God is calling to serve. Um, this is what Jesus says right after this little dialogue about people who walk and talk in the marketplaces and say long prayers in order to be seen. It says these words, looking up, Jesus saw rich people throwing their gifts into the collection box for the temple treasury. Now, back then, they had these big, large metal funnels in the temple area, and the people who brought the offering were always bringing coins. So they'd bring these big bags of coins, the rich people, and they would dump them in, and you can imagine it would make this tremendous sound. Have you ever been at a church where they have felt in the bottom of the offering plate so you can't hear anything? <laughs> you can see kind of like how the community has responded to this over the years. But, but actually, uh, they, they would dump them in, and it, it was kind of a celebration. It was a moment of joy. And so Jesus is saying, you know, there are some people that go, and they, they, you know, they are throwing in their gifts to the collection box for the temple treasury. And then Jesus says these words. He says, or actually it says, the scripture says, Jesus saw a poor widow. So imagine all the noise from these rich people pouring in their money. This poor widow over here sneaking in, Throw in two, the widow threw in two small copper coins worth one penny. And he said, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than them all. All of them are giving out of their spare change. But she from her, and I think you could circle this 10 times, from her hopeless poverty has given everything she has to live on. She had nothing left. Jesus just told us. She, she didn't even save a penny for herself. She had two pennies. She had two copper pennies, and she could have kept one, which would have been still giving 50%. She could have done that little calculation in her mind. Maybe that one penny would have you know, been enough to buy a little loaf of bread or a cracker or something that could, could give her some kind of security. Instead, she gave up everything. And I think about what Jesus is doing in this passage. A lot of people would say that he's diminishing the gift of the rich people who are giving their spare change. I don't think that's what Jesus is doing. What Jesus is doing is he's elevating the widow. He's lifting her up. Where other people might see, not see the beauty, they would see um, the brokenness, they would see the emptiness, they would see the misery. Instead, he saw something that was so much more beautiful than anything else. He actually said that the widow gave more than all of the rich people combined. 
And why? Because when she gave everything that she had, it was enough. And I believe that there's a real message to those of us. Have you ever heard people say, you know, I can't give very much because what I have to give is not enough. Isn't this a great message to those people? To, in, in our midst who feel like the small contributions don't matter. But actually what Jesus is saying is that when you give everything you have, it's more than enough. That's one of the most beautiful things you can do in your life. When you give all of that you have to, to, to Jesus, you give him all of your heart, all of your time, you give him, give him everything, you actually finding yourself not in more poverty, but you find yourself in a kind of richness, don't you? Suddenly, you're, suddenly, you know, you'd think out of her hopeless poverty, she gave everything, but she has a, she has a profound wealth in her life. And I think about our lives and what we have to give and how we question, how we question ourselves and question our gifts that we have to present to God. And um, it's, not, it's not a surprise that that if, by the way, if you're ever reading the Bible and you get into those conversations in your small groups and you're starting to wonder, um, what does this Bible verse really mean? Okay, this is a tip. It's the simplest tip. You could go go to three years of seminary, but this you don't need to because this is the simplest, easiest way to interpret the Bible. If you don't understand a, a text, read one text before it. If you don't understand it, then read one text after it. If you still don't understand it, read a little bit before it. And if you don't understand afterward, read a little bit after it. And if you still don't understand, read the whole Bible 10 times over in the next week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and, and you'll win. You'll win either way. I mean, you may not understand the scripture, but you'll learn something along the way. But it works. It really does work. And that's what we're doing today is, is if you want to know more about what Jesus is saying about the widow, let's keep reading. Let's find out what, what is at the meat of this message. And so we find it just the next verse. It says these words that some people were talking about the temple, how it was decorated with beautiful stones and ornaments dedicated to God. And, as, and Jesus said, as for the things that you are admiring, the time is coming when not even one stone will be left upon another. All will be diminished demolished, <laughs> different. See, Jesus notices that they're focusing on these, these little, little gems in the temple that someone had put there. And they're starting to think, oh, wow, I really, I just want to, I want to pay attention to that in life. Jesus has just pointed out the widow. He's just said, hey, look at her. You've got to understand what beauty is. And the next minute he sees them starting to obsess about the gems. And the question is, in the church, do we care more about the facility than about the spirit behind the space? You know why I love this wall? It's not, it's not because, yes, it's beautifully designed. It's beautifully crafted. It's made from cedar. I love it. By the way, if you ever want a beautiful smell, you can just go up and, well, you'll get a sliver too, but you can just rub it and it has this, oh, it smells so good. But that's not why I love this wall. The reason I love it is because it was given by the people of this church. It was built by the people of this church. It was lifted into place by the people of this church. We had a contractor, a framer, who was one of my favorite people. And he came in here on a Thursday and he gets in here and he's got like after work and he's sweaty and he's like, he's devastated by his work of that day. And he's such a, such a cool guy. 
I got to throw his name out in there. His name's Casey. He's so cool. And he comes in here and the boards are all laid down and he just takes out this ridiculously cool looking like space gun of a nail gun. <laughs> he just goes, I got this. <laughs> Done. I'll bet you, I know Casey. I know that he probably feels like he didn't give enough. And it's not, the, it's not the wall that we admire. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing because this is a love letter. That's what we appreciate about what's going on. And what Jesus is trying to do is, have you, is allow you to have a mind shift, to start looking at the world in a new way to start to see the widows as these precious people with these dynamic sermons that they're preaching with the little gifts that they're giving. And start to see that the temple, by the way, after Jesus told this message, he said the temple will be demolished. Guess what happened only like a few decades later? A war took place in Jerusalem and every little piece of the temple was destroyed. All that's left right now of the temple is just some foundation stones, just a wall that it was built upon. That's all that's left. But actually, one of the cool things that happened when the temple was destroyed is that people stopped being, they started to wrestle with their faith because their faith was, before that, was location-based. They understood this to be the place where they could worship God in the right way. And when it was destroyed, people started to to discover that they could be the church. That the church was not a building, that it was something that they could actually manifest in their neighborhoods and their places. And suddenly the church grew like wildfire. People were walking around and, and worshiping in homes because they didn't have this temple that, that had become so much this locator. And you know what Jesus, or the Bible says about Jesus' comments about the temple in the book of John? It says these words, but the temple that Jesus was talking about was his body. See, Jesus wasn't talking about the temple, that figu- the fixed building. He was actually saying that the temple will be destroyed. And he also says in the book of John that in three days it will be raised up again. People said, how can you raise a whole building in three days? It took decades to build this thing, hundreds of years. Jesus was crucified. He died on that cross. He was decimated. You know what Isaiah says when it prophesies what will happen to Jesus 600 years earlier? These are the beautiful words from the prophet Isaiah. I love them. And and if you don't hear this message of transformation, it's these words, he was pierced because of our rebellions and crushed because of our crimes. He bore the punishment that made us whole, and by his wounds, we are healed. And like sheep, we have all wandered away, each going its own way. But the Lord let fall on him all our crimes. Notice that word crushed in there? That Jesus was pierced, for our iniquities and crushed so that we could experience forgiveness. Now, one of the things that uh, I've started to learn about is winemaking. I just wanted to know what would be happening in this process. Um, 
And so I, uh, I went to the vineyards and I started to look at the grapes. And with my kids, we started walking around and grabbing the grapes off of the vineyard and, and just squeezing them, you know, just like, like just seeing what it's like to, to crush a grape. And all this sticky juice coming on that, that, that didn't work very well. And then, so then, um, so then I talk, called a friend and, uh, and I said, how are you doing? And he said, oh, we're about to harvest the grapes and we're going to crush them today. And I said, oh, that's cool. He has just some private vines that he has. And so we go there and um, it's a cool thing because what happens is this, this machine that he has crushes the grapes, it throws the stems off to the side and the grapes, uh, the grapes fall into this bucket and, and they go from being grapes on, grapes on the vine a stem, grapes on a stem, to being this thing called must. I love that it transforms into this imperative, right? It's, they, don't, they don't call it maybe. Like, it doesn't change into maybe. No, it's must. So then the must is created, and when that happens, things start to happen. Things start to transform. If you left those grapes on that vine, what would it do? It would just die. Actually, I was driving by the, riding my bike by the vineyards the other day, and I stopped, and they turned, in, actually, they turned into delicious raisins. <laughs> I was just like, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> it's like natural trail food around here. <laughs> if anybody came up and said, that's illegal, I'd say, not according to the Bible. It says I can eat anything I want as long as I don't have a bucket. <laughs> it's true. It says that in the Bible. Can't argue with that. But, but, but what happens to the grapes when they go into this bucket is they start to change. There's a transformation. Start to think about what happened to Jesus on that cross, that he wasn't just, you know, symbolically crushed. He was really crushed. He was destroyed. And he, he went through that transformation so that, so that life could take place. Something new could happen. Something that's never happened before. And not just a life so that he could live a few more days or a few more weeks or a few more years. No, so that he could live forever. And so that we could live forever too. And when Jesus met with his disciples after he showed them the holes in his hands and his feet, and, he, and, and I love that Thomas was a doubter. Do you know they call him Doubting Thomas because he said, I can't believe this unless I actually see the hole in Jesus' side and stick my finger in it. And Jesus goes up to me like, hey, you said you have to stick your finger in it and that's disgusting, but you better do it. And he, he did it. Ugh, that's gross. Okay, I believe Jesus. Don't make me do that again. He was pierced. A sword had poked him in the side. Jesus said, I am, I am. And then you see this thing that happens to Jesus. He breathes onto the disciples. You know that beautiful verse where he breathes onto the disciples? And, and Paul helps us understand. The apostle Paul speaks it in the great, in, the, in one of his letters. He says, you know what? We, our bodies, are temples too. They're temples of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has come into our midst and suddenly what happened to the church is that we don't have just one temple where we go to visit the Spirit and said the Spirit is within us and we walk everywhere throughout this world. And the only danger that Jesus would want us to avoid is that we would start to worship the, the thing itself. That maybe our prayers would become about ourselves. That maybe our walls would become about walls and not about healed human beings being risen up from the ashes. Proclamations of good, God's goodness. Truth of what God can do, even when the hardest, most painful things happen in our life. Do you know one of the marks of the Holy Spirit in the Bible? 
is that it never points to itself. Isn't that awesome? The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. Always. And when we are filled with the Spirit, we cease to be self-focused. We start to care about the unseen. We start to go and find ways that we can help elicit the beauty and help the world discover the beauty of who is around us and what God is doing. And I just love that we're going to be going into the fields. We're going to be talking to those people who probably um, feel like they don't have enough. They work and work and work. They give and give and give. And, they, and what we need to say is what you give is so special. Who you are matters so much to God. And we see you. And so there's this thing that I pray happens even in our spirits that there would be this crushing, there would be this transformation of our body that we would start to ask ourselves this critical question. I'm, I really want you to ask this question today. Are you willing to do what nobody else is doing in order to reach the people that nobody else is reaching? It's like a broken record. We've been talking about how to do that with the youth of this community who feel unseen. We've been talking about how to do that with the immigrants and the field workers who, who so much of them probably feel like Highlands has no idea who they are. And we're going to keep innovating and thinking about how can we break into those spaces where no other church is going so that we can, and to do the things that no other church is doing in order to reach the people that no other church is reaching. And I love that um, as we do that, there will be this, tr- this thing where our eyes will be opened. Isn't it cool? Like, I love reaching the unseen as a kind of descriptor for this message because reaching the unseen, the Bible talks about God as the unseen. And that there's this thing that happens when you reach out to the unseen, the unseen one. It's faith. It's beauty. It's hope. It's restoration. It's healing. So today I pray that for some of you who have felt like, you know, maybe the seen things have gotten in the way of the unseen in your world, that you would start to ask yourself, well, I think I can be a part of that. And um, let's say, let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, you lift up the widow. You lift up the orphan and the immigrant and those who are unseen in this world. And you call us, Lord, to be your hands and feet, to do these things with and for you. We thank you for the Costa Rica team that will be traveling halfway around the world to look into the eyes of mothers and children and fathers and to say, we're here for you and we care about you and we see you. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that this congregation would be the ones that would break down those walls, not, not, even, not even national boundaries, but just those walls between neighbors, walls between coworkers and and. and people that they've known for so many years and start to uh, engage in conversations that maybe have never been had to help them see the spirit, your spirit behind the things of this world and to see, see life coming about where otherwise there wouldn't be life. And for any of us, Lord, who feel that what we have given is not enough, Lord, because we don't have enough to give, 
Help us to hear your words of encouragement saying, whatever you give, if you give everything, it's enough. It's more than enough. Help us to step out like the widow in faith and not to lean on the security of, of things like temples and, and even our own insecurities which cause us to put ourselves first. Lord, help us to truly find ourselves worshiping and praising you with everything we have. We pray that there would be a transformation in this community, that there'd be a transformation to the industries, that everything in this world would start to look more and more like you, and that there would be a balance restored. And we praise you, God, for what you've done, and praise you for what you're going to do in the life of each person in here as we respond to your message. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Please stand.